0: You are listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a World Affairs Council conversation with authoritative voices discussing significant news-making issues and individuals. Sponsored by Greenberg Traurig LLP.
1: Although President Trump said he would not telegraph ahead his decisions, his tweets this morning indicate strongly that military action in Syria will, I quote, be coming soon in reaction to the Assad regime's apparent deployment, again, of chemical weapons. This is just one of the pressing issues facing this administration. To discuss this and other global matters, we are joined by Jim Lindsay, one of our nation's leading authorities on American foreign policy. Dr. Lindsay, who is based in Washington, is Senior Vice President and Director of Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations. Jim has had a long association with the Council, dating back to 2003, which was punctuated by a period in Austin, Texas, when in 2006 he left the Council on Foreign Relations to become the inaugural director of the Robert Strauss Center for International Security and Law at the University of Texas at Austin. During his career, he has also been a fellow at Brookings and served from 1996 to 1997 as Director for Global Issues and Multilateral Affairs on the staff of the National Security Council. To keep up with Jim Lindsay, I know that our listeners will want to subscribe to his two weekly podcasts, The President's Inbox and The World, next week. Great to have you with us. Thanks for having me here, Jim. Before we discuss some of the critical issues in The President's Inbox, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Donald Trump's view of America's role in the world uh, as a candidate and whether or not it has changed, evolved, now that he has occupied the Oval Office for now close to 18 months.
2: Well, candidate Trump promised to deliver a different foreign policy and to do things differently in foreign policy, and President Trump has carried through on that promise. If you look at Donald Trump over the years, he has been a long-standing critic of the way Successive American presidencies, both Democratic and Republican, conducted foreign policy. He has been a critic of what political scientists like to call the rules based order mm-hmm. that America created in the wake of World War II, where presidents from Truman through Obama saw American global leadership as the key to American security and prosperity. Donald Trump has argued that it has been the key to America's impoverishment, that our allies free ride on us, we get nothing out of our alliances. That trade deals work against Americans. That American efforts to promote democracy are a fool's errand. And so, President Trump, in many ways, represents an attack on or an attempt to disrupt the world that America created after World War II. You
1: know, brokering deals as a, as a real estate developer in a small private company, and you know how successful it is, is somewhat subject to debate. Is very different than running the foreign policy apparatus of the United States, and yet. I wanna ask you if the foreign policy establishment has been perhaps too much in opposition, too critical. Is there any upside that you can identify to President Trump's method?
2: Well, I think there are two things to separate out here, Jim.
1: One is the method and
2: the other is the goals. Mm-hmm. And I think that I would disagree with the president in terms of his assessment of the value of the world America created. I do believe American global leadership is critical but it's fair to say that Donald Trump has pointed to a number of problems that did exist in the world. My boss of the Council on Foreign Relations, Richard Haas, mm-hmm. wrote an excellent book on this called A World in Disarray. The world America created, that rules-based order, has been fraying for quite some time. Successive presidents have attempted to deal with it. And President Obama left a letter for Donald Trump on the desk the Resolute desk in the Oval Office on his last day in office, urging President Trump to find ways to reinforce the liberal rules-based order. The president hasn't really taken that advice. What I will say, though, is that one of the consequences of the president's desire to do things differently, to disrupt the way policy is conducted and the kinds of policies we pursue, he has in many ways reminded people of the stake everybody has in the rules-based order. And I think that there is an opportunity right now, if the president chooses to take it, or a successor, to mobilize a lot of America's friends and allies to do a lot of the heavy lifting needed to address some of the very pressing problems we face.
1: What about on trade? No, President Trump has claimed that the renegotiation of the agreement with South Korea is a success. Is it?
2: It all depends upon what the standard is. And one of the brilliant things of Donald Trump's political skills is that he offered and said he would provide a better deal without providing any objective standards or targets that he was going to meet. So any
1: progress uh, can be a success. So he yeah. gets to
2: define the rules uh, of the success game. And again, sometimes yeah. he gets to grade his own homework and he's uh-huh. been very pleased with the results. I, I think on a closer look at the U.S. Korea Free Trade Agreement, there's a lot less there than meets the eye. I think at best, a modest set of changes to the agreement. And one of the real questions is, uh, were those changes that we achieved, do they really require sort of the diplomatic cost the president inflicted by pursuing them? That is, if he had done it slightly differently, could he have got the same thing without alarming so many people?
1: Yeah, you know, last night, Jim, when we had dinner, and thank you so much again for joining us, you made a point that I found particularly interesting, and that is, as we know, so few positions have been filled at the Department of State, as well as other cabinets. But you made a point that this, in a sense, gives the administration, and therefore the president, really more control and takes oversight away from Congress. So is it by design?
2: I don't know how much of it's by design versus accident, but clearly one of the trends we see across several administrations, it did not begin with Donald Trump, is that the White House prefers to have control over foreign policy. We saw that with George W. Bush, we saw that with Barack Obama, you see it with Donald Trump. At the same time, the development of technology gives presidents the ability to do it. I mean, it used to be in the old days that the president wanted to communicate with a foreign head of state. You'd send a cable and the ambassador would walk it over, deliver it to the foreign head of state. Today, presidents can pick up the phone, or in the case of Donald Trump's presidency, you can tweet it. presidents. Just this morning, President Trump tweeted at Vladimir Putin about what's coming in Syria. So it's a different world. But I do think that it is a mistake not to have a fully stocked up State Department, less because of what happens in crisis moments, but rather just the ordinary day-to-day work of diplomacy. George Shultz, one of the great-
1: Yeah, uh, he's always considered uh, as one of the best secretaries at state. of state Of
2: the last 100 years, a, a truly marvelous man, likened diplomacy to gardening. That just sort of had to always be cultivating relationships. And I think he's exactly right. And one of the things I see as I go from capital to capital is that people say that there's no one on the ground representing mm-hmm. the United States making the case. And in many countries, America's ambassadors, and we're short something like 40 or 15 ambassadors. Including, including South Korea. Including South Korea. American ambassadors are, are very well-known figures. They do a lot of work in the community. Partly that's sort of representing American values. But it's also representing very specific American interests. They do a lot of work promoting American businesses. So not having a fully ramped up State Department is an own goal. It is missing an opportunity to carry America's message to the rest of the world.
1: And especially right now when there's such a major restructure and movement of people.
2: Well, this is one of the challenges the president faces right now, which is he's going into a series of important meetings policy, policies. Obviously, in this upcoming meeting with President Kim of North Korea, there's talk of meeting with President Putin of Russia. We now have the beginnings of a trade war with China. And he's doing this while he's reassembling his foreign policy and trade team. It's sort of like flying a plane and rebuilding the engine at the same time. And we're going to see how it works. One of the things historically looking at administrations is that they're Success is not so much a function of whether they have high-quality people. It is a question of how do those people work together. Mm -hmm. In Some administrations, think President George H.W. Bush, you had sort of seamless coordination. Senior people who trusted each other didn't always agree. And people
1: he had known for a long time. People
2: he had known. They were very savvy people. They worked Mm -hmm. together. They had differences. They could air them. The president decided in a situation in which... You know, your secretary of state is essentially just meeting your national security advisor and you have a new person at CIA. You have the potential, not necessarily going to turn out this way, but you really do have a chance that there's going to be a prolonged transition period. And we'll also out when you have for. a president
1: who states that he's comfortable with chaos.
2: Yes, and I think that's, if you look at Donald Trump's business career, that is how it operated. And I think one of the big questions is whether, you know, management by chaos that works for a real estate firm, is going to work for a government that is many magnitudes of order larger than that real estate firm.
1: Jim, we have time just for one other question. And I can't figure out where we stand right now with our relations with Japan. Prime Minister was one of the first people that came to visit newly elected President Trump. Before he took office, there was famous pictures of him in Trump Tower. And yet, right now, it seems like the relations are a little bit on the rocks, especially because of the announcement with the summit meeting with North Korea.
2: Well, quite right. I think the Japanese are greatly concerned. Japan's fears for a very long time have been the fear of abandonment. Japan relies quite heavily on the U.S. security guarantee. That has benefits for the Japanese, also many benefits for the United States. But their fear has been that the United States will walk away from that security guarantee, both in terms of Mm. its situation with North Korea, but also with China. Obviously, Mr. Abe invested heavily in the relationship with President Trump, going out of his way right after President Trump was elected to come to New York to visit him, give him a very nice golf club as a token of Japan's admiration and desire for good relations. Japan is also worried about movement on the trade front. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump has been complaining about Japanese trade since the 1980s, and the Japanese very much prefer the multilateral trade approach that successive administrations have pursued. Donald Trump doesn't like multilateral trade deals. Donald Trump has been insisting that Japan should enter into a bilateral free trade agreement with the United States. Japan doesn't want to do that. And I think recently the Japanese are concerned, both with the decision to meet President Kim and with the refusal so far of the U.S. to exempt Japan, a major ally, from these new tariffs on steel and aluminum, that their relations to the United States are going to go through a period of great turbulence.
1: Jim, I want to thank you for joining us on Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk. And I'm also very glad that I can continue to follow you, as can our listeners, by going and subscribing to your two podcasts, The President's Inbox, and The World Next Week. Thank you very much, Jim.
0: Thank you for listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a production of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Subscribe and rate Global IQ Minute on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app. For information about a World Affairs Council in your community, visit worldaffairscouncils.org. Global IQ Minute is sponsored by Greenberg Traurig LLP, a global firm with 2,000 attorneys in 38 offices across the globe. Visit the firm at gtlaw.com.